I guess when you get to that point as a dad, when you're letting go of all that, it's not stupid. I really shouldn't say stupid. When you let go of all that stuff, all the the non-important stuff of what you think you're, you're, it should be, and you just kind of enjoy your kid, I, I wish everybody could feel that. I, I wish everybody could be there as a parent. Um, and I feel sorry for people who can't get there because you're so locked into this vision of what you think growing up is, you know? Um, so in that way, this is a blessing, you know? It's an absolute blessing that, that this has been given to me. Welcome back to the Aching Joy podcast, friends. My name is Jason Haig. By now, most of you know part of my story. You know I'm an autism dad. You know that I spent the first few years of my, after my son's diagnosis uh, in a fog, really depressed and not a very good dad, frankly. What you might not know, unless you're in these circles, is that this is extremely common, that uh, very often dads have a difficult time knowing how to react to a, their son's diagnosis, uh, to their wordlessness, all those kinds of things, and we can get really depressed. And uh, I wanted to have another autism dad on uh, on the show to talk through this, somebody who experienced a similar thing. And Jerry Turning is the perfect guy to do that. Jerry Turning is a New Jersey police captain, uh, and he started blogging. He started a blog called Bacon and Juice Boxes back in 2012. Uh, and it, it's, uh, uh, it's been quite popular over the years, and uh, he was doing it before I was doing it. And he is somebody who does a really good job at expressing what was going on inside of his mind, inside of his heart, and how he got out of that dark place, how he, he came out and became this wonderful dad who was able to do things like take his son by himself to Disney World. How do you make that transition? How do you make that progress? So today, Jerry and I are going to talk about our experiences as autism dads and try to explain this. And it's a wonderful discussion. If you're wondering what in the world is my husband thinking, if you're an autism mom, or um, what is my friend going through, I think this will be a really helpful episode to sort of get in the mind of another autism dad. So without further ado, welcome Jerry Turning, a.k.a. Mr. Bacon. Thank you for having me, Jason. It's good to see you again. Good it's to hear good you to again. See, yeah, it's good to see you. Jerry and I were at a conference in Ohio um, a couple of years ago, and we hung out with uh, a couple other bloggers and, um, and had a great time. We, we had our session that we had been working on for like six months, right? right? Something like that. Yep. And I mean, we had this all planned and we were super excited. We get there, we get bumped to the very last session of the entire conference. And there were maybe 15 people in our session. Yeah. They put us in, some, in the room farthest away from, from, the, from the main entrance. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was a good I experience, mean, it was, right? Everything it was, was fun. Oh, we, we had a great time, actually. But it was just kind of fun. It was like all this work, and then there's like 15 people coming. And I will yes. say, oh, we, we did actually have the day before, too, when we had kind of our display up there and people walking through. But right. everybody wanted to see you. Like oh, they didn't, they, no, 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 it's true. Stop. It is totally true. Not, They're like, is that, true. is that Mr. Bacon? There's Mr. Bacon. Oh, he's so tall. Yeah, you're not allowed to lie on this podcast. Just stop. <laughs> but your, your blog though, Bacon and Juice Boxes, um, it's, when did you start that? <clears throat> 2012, I started, yeah. Okay. And it was supposed and, to be just, um, it was, I, don't, I didn't expect anybody to read it. <laughs> I, I thought it was just my little 
a little bit of uh, therapy and uh, things, you know, a way to get some things out of my head that would have probably eaten me up otherwise. And uh, I, I don't talk much. Um, I'm kind of an introverted guy, kind of guy. Uh, and it got, it, it kind of got away from me a little bit because when my, when my wife started reading what I was, I was writing, she wanted more and more and more. Before I knew it, I had a handful of followers that really kind of, uh, I don't know, what I was writing resonated with them. And um, yeah, it kind of grew from there. Yeah. 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 So you're, you, uh, you're an autism dad like me. Uh, tell me, tell me about, uh, tell me about Eric. Eric is six, he's turning 16 next week, a uh, little ball of fire, um, into everything. Uh, one of the coolest kids I, that you ever want to meet, um, big and strong and, 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 and hardheaded like his dad. He's got a little bit of a temper like his dad, which is always fun. And, um, yeah, it's been a blast. Uh, he's, he's, he's been a gift. He's been an absolute gift to my life. And it was a definitely a curveball, you know, that, that yeah. nobody really, uh, expects or, or, or sees coming and we have to learn on our feet and, um, adjust. And I can honestly say it was something I needed. I needed, I needed a refocus in my life to, to, to get me back to what, um, you know, what, what is real meaningful and, and it, it really, it's humbling, of course. Uh, it'll it'll teach you that you don't have all the answers, you know, real quick, and uh, yeah. and you have to learn a whole different different way of looking at life. Um, but yeah, man, I, I it's been it's been a blessing. He, he's he's been my best teacher and my best. He's, he's my hero, and I, I love every every minute I spend with him. So in in starting the blog and writing about your own journey, it sounds like it was a bit cathartic for you. Is that right? Yeah. And from the start, and I've always tried to maintain this, my blog and what I write has always been about, about me and my journey and, and my adjustments and, and what I've had to um, deal with and process and get better at. Um, it's never really been about him. Um, of course, he's the star of it. And, and he's, he's, the, he's, he's the reason I exist. But it's always been about what I've had to improve on, you know. And uh, I've always tried to keep that focus in mind. And I, whenever I start to drift out of my lane, you know, I start to talk about, I never try to talk about his perspective because I don't know it. I'm trying to learn it, but I don't speak for him. And I, and I try to just keep it um, about my adjustments, you know, and, and, and what, what I have to deal with, with emotionally processing this, this, change in my life's plan and all that so that's that, that's what it was from the beginning and I'm, I'm proud to say I, I i've maintained that all through these years and it still is what it is yeah hmm. Hmm. um how did you how did you respond and <clears throat> the the diagnosis oh boy um badly <laughs> i responded poorly um oh man it's uh who could prepare for it you know but my my wife knew, and I think this is pretty common. My wife knew before I did. Uh, she saw signs, and she 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 her radar was up before I was. I spent a lot of time in denial, and I went through what what most dads go through, and we start rationalizing with ourselves of why certain things are happening. And he's a boy, and he's a second child, and um, you know, we, he started missing those milestones, and I I think I knew before I admitted it. I knew something was up. 
when he was finally diagnosed, um, in a lot of ways, it opened up uh, some things for us. In a lot of ways, it was like taking the cloud away where we could finally identify what we were dealing with and we could uh, and, and, and process it. So in a lot of ways, it was good, the diagnosis part. But um, I had no idea what it was. I, I, you know, I could Google it and see things. And I, I saw the movie Rain Man, but that was it. That's all I knew. Right. Um, and I got our first initial, uh, my first initial reaction was, how do we attack this and fix it? And uh, I'm not proud of that. I'm not that way anymore. I don't believe that. I don't think it's something that can be healed. I don't think he is broken right. in any way. But my honest answer to your question is that's how I, I um handled it at first. We went in search of any kind of uh, biomedical treatment that we could find. We went all through the therapies and early interventions and we did everything. We experimented with everything from medicine to crystals. And um, it was all just a path to, to, to fix him. And it hurts me to say that because it's so far away from what I am now. Right. Um, but at the same time, I needed that in my life because that got me through it. Having those doctor's appointments on the calendar, you know, seeing seeing doctor's appointments and and having that um, I don't, I hope is the wrong word, but that's what I had at that point. Having that thing in the future to look to move towards um, really gave me some some space in my own head to process what was going on, and allowed me to to heal. I had to heal um, and uh, accept it and understand it a little more and 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 you know, kind of just digest what was thrown at me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I can, I can relate a lot to, to all of that. Um, it seems like, I mean, it's such a cliche that men are fixers. It's such a cliche, <laughs> Yeah. I, but still, the, you know, still that idea holds up because I think we want resolution so badly. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and it's, 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 it's painful to watch your wife struggle and be sad. Um, it's painful. To, it's, you feel helpless. You're right. You feel like you're supposed to be the one that, that makes everything better. And you're the one that's supposed to take on the burden of the family. And that's, that's archaic. And it's probably stupid on a lot of levels, but it's there. It's what, it's what it is. Um, and men traditionally, I don't know if you agree, but in my opinion, men traditionally um, express anger a lot more easily than they express sadness. Um, and a lot of what Absolutely. I was dealing with in terms of sadness came out wrong and probably came out as anger and lashing out at my wife emotionally. And um, yeah, I had some, I had some dark days. I really did. Um, still do, you know, I'm not, I'm not, sure. I'm not completely there yet, but it, it It'll, 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 it'll level you. It, it really will. Yeah. And the, the best of us get up, you know? Yeah. Some don't. I, that's a, that's a really <clears throat> good insight there. I, I, you know, I, I've talked to so many, <laughs> I was at a conference in, in Calgary about six months ago and I was talking about the, the, the stereotypical autism parents. And it's the mom who's the bulldog who's going after, she's calling the doctor, she's doing all the research and, the dad yeah. has checked out and yep. is sad and, uh, and, you know, distant and maybe angry, all these things. Um, but I, I think that, I think what you just said there is, is really important as far as like, okay, understanding the father, why, why do we dads 
respond so poorly in the beginning. Because we yes. both have done this and we've both written about this, right? Like, yes. don't do what we did, right? Right. And I do think a big part of that is we don't know how to process sadness. Yeah, process and express. You know, yes. I mean, I know when I feel sad. I know it. I just, I have a, I just have a lousy way of expressing it, you know, and, and you can go down the road of, well, we don't want to cry in front of people and all that kind of macho stuff. It just, I had to learn to express what I was feeling. And if, and if that was sadness in a moment and understand that my wife wasn't going to look at me differently when I did, she wasn't going to think I was failing. Um, you know, my vision of what I should be for her <laughs> stupid i i didn't have to be this 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 granite rock that hold that i can take on the weight of the world to prove to her i was worthy i didn't have to do that and once i realized that after she told me about a thousand times um it it started to become easier and you know it it boy it's a process though <laughs> and, it and it's yeah. it's it's three steps forward and then seven steps back and you know you, you're trying to climb a mountain and um I, nobody should say it's easy and nobody should say they ever have the right answers because just when you think you got this beat it'll reach up and punch you right in the mouth again and 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 you gotta you know pick yourself up and spit out the blood and get get back at it, it but that's life right that's that's it is what it is we just get up the yeah. next day and we try our best to do it I don't know if you can relate to this. Uh, you know, in our situation, Jack has had, you know, lots of regressions and you talk about two steps forward, seven steps back. That's been our, our life with him. And I have found a lot of times, I think I have an unhealthy sort of attachment to him in, in the sense that when he has a regression, it becomes like, I feel like I have a regression as well. Yes. Yeah. We, we hint, we, we hook our, our wagons to, to their day. Like if they're having a good day, we are having a good day. And if they get a, a note home from school that he acted up or had a behavior, then it crushes me. You know, I hook my emotions to him is probably unhealthy, you know? And when you step away and you look back, wet back over the last six or eight months, it's easier to see. But in that moment, yeah, you, you know, it's, um, it's hard. It's, it's, it's very hard yeah. because you are so, you're so devoted and you just want them to be happy and you just want, and you want progress, right? That's all you want. Just, just, yeah. just small little incremental steps forward. Yeah. And sometimes it's just, that's just not life. Yeah. Sometimes and then you start feeling guilty. You start feeling guilty for wanting that sometimes, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. I just want to accept them, but I also want them to, to progress. I want them to be able to integrate into this world. It's complicated. Yeah, I've written about that, you know, and I, listen, man, I don't have all these answers. I really don't. I'm just a flawed person like everybody else. But I've realized right. that if I score my days based on the number of times he acts typical, I'm setting everybody up to fail, especially yeah. me. Yeah. If I score my days based on how many times he smiles, I'm setting myself up to succeed. So as long as he's happy, healthy, and he's got me to look out for him and make sure he's not mistreated. We can, we can do this. When I start having images of my, in my head of what he's going to be five, six, seven years from now and where he should be and what milestones he has, we're all just going to go down in flames because right. nobody can promise it. And nobody can tell me what it's going to be. So right. I can't, I can't chase that. You know what I mean? I can't, um, it's not healthy and it's not fair to him. Um, you got to let them steer this, crazy ship we're on and um 
you really have no control over it. We do the best we can, but this is way outside of our control. It really is. That's that, but that's, that's, um, that's freeing in a lot of ways. (laughs) That's, Mm. that's kind of liberating to that. You don't have to, you don't have to know. You just have to kind of go with it. You know, it's, 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 it's different than I grew up. I grew up very, I thought I had a plan. I knew what it was going to be, but um, I'm glad I learned at this stage of my life that that plan was not promised to anybody. And I have a lot of life left where I can enjoy what it is. Um, but yeah, learning all those lessons, nobody, I, you can't even tell somebody, you know, you can say, oh, that's, that's great advice, but they got to live it. You got to go through it. Yeah. You know, you got to grind through it and, and, and learn that yourself. Right. Um, right. That's the hard part. The letting go of the expectations was big. I like for me the 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 letting go of the timelines with Jack. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay, he's not hitting this. Okay, you know, you, you have to s- completely stop comparing him to any one of his peers because he's just gone his own schedule at this point, and you're gonna have to embrace that. Yeah, I I have this image in my head of comparison. It's a it's a monster. It, it's a, it's a yeah. it's an ugly, smelly, gross monster. It's always it's always around that that comparison, and you know it sneaks up and it grabs you at the worst possible times. Like you, I could be with my dad at a at a baseball game, enjoying the American dream with my dad watching a baseball game, and look over five seats down and see a kid seven eight years old with a glove on, eating popcorn with his dad. And it just, it crushes me. It reaches up because I compare my, my, my life to that. And it's, it's, it's almost, it's not fair in a lot of ways that, that you can never fully get over it. It's human to compare. It is. Um, but if you can dodge and weave and, and keep it away and keep it at, at an arm's distance while you're living your life, then you're, then, then you can be okay. But it's always there. It's always there at the worst possible time for me. And it's, it's always, it, I'm, I've gotten a lot better at it, but early on it would, it would, it would really impact my, my daily life, that comparison. Yeah. Um, and I know that's wrong. Of course we all do, but it doesn't make it any harder or any easier. It's still there. Well, and, and I don't know that you can necessarily control those thoughts from, from hitting you, you know, it's, you're gonna have to be able to process and wrestle through. This has been one of the things I talked with, um, with Kate Swenson when she was on about, you know, having the negative feelings or, or having the grief, you know, grief is a word that people do not want you to use in this context, but it's like, look, yeah. what else are you going to call it? Well, you're not, you're not grieving your child, right? The loss of your child. You're grieving right. the loss of the plan. Absolutely. You're grieving the, the loss of that, of that map, that carefully yeah. mapped out life you thought you had that nobody promised you by the way, but that, that map you thought you had, you lost. Because yeah. God reached down and said, "Hey, hey, hey, buddy, you're not the quarterback. I am, and we're gonna we're gonna run this play now. So whatever yeah. whatever power you thought you had, you don't have it. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's a serious loss in somebody's life. That's 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 worthy of grief, grief, right? Yeah. That's that's worthy of being mourned. Um, but people misunderstand that. No, I'm not grieving the loss of my son. That no, no, no. I, I, it's it's right. amazing what I have. Um, but it's a change in direction from what I thought this was going to be and, and what my, what my vision was. And it's okay right. to be sad sometimes that that is different than what you thought. That's okay. Absolutely. That's another thing. I, once I forgave myself for being sad and let go of that guilt. And I, I understand that it wasn't permanent that, you know, sadness can come and go and you don't have to live there, you know? Um, yeah. 
once I understood that, that I'm going to have bad moments, bad hours, bad weeks, but I, I, I'm going to get better. I'm going to feel better. Then I kind of let myself be there when I need to let, my, let myself have a couple of days of, of, uh, of sadness if I have to. Um, but none of that reflects on my son. And it's so hard. I know you understand yeah. it. I just want everybody else to understand it. That doesn't mean I, God, I, I don't, I would change him for anything. I, I really wouldn't. Um, but it's okay to have emotions as a parent too. And that's one of the things I really preach when on my blog and when I write is parents feel so, of course you have to put your child first, of course. But that doesn't mean you just give up all your emotions and, and, and human feelings for the sake of your child it's you still have valid emotions that are okay to express you know it's okay yeah you just can't live there you know you can't you can't right. move in you yeah. know that's what that's where you got to watch out yeah and <clears throat> and and taking the time to go through that process and recognizing that those are there i think it's really interesting what you said like forgiving yourself for being sad like because you have to go through that process and just say, okay, you know what? I'm sad. And I have to just accept that that's the fact right now. And I don't want right. to stay there, but I can't, I can't just say, okay, stop being sad. Like you have to choose to walk through that process. Um, so forgiving yourself for the negative feelings, man, I think that's gold for other parents, especially for other dads out there. Because uh, yeah, we do as carry as, as long as you can identify honestly what is making you sad and not misplacing it and not, you know, um, you gotta be, you gotta, you, man, this, that's one thing about this little journey we're on. It, it forces you to do some soul searching and yeah. you can lie to other people, but when, when the lights go off and it's, you're laying at, uh, you know, in your bed, looking at the ceiling, you gotta be honest with yourself. So when you're sad, you have to be honest. What I'm sad about is this isn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, yeah. I wanted, I wanted to coach little league. You know, yeah. I wanted to teach my son how to son, how to turn six, four, three double plays and talk yeah. about when to throw a curveball, and you know my son has no interest in baseball right. it, you know it's not that's not in the cards for me um that's okay um but i didn't realize how much stock i put in it as a dumb 18 19 20 year old kid growing up what i thought fatherhood was i thought that's what fatherhood was you discuss baseball with your son you pass on about girls and all this wisdom you have and the reality is that's kind of not what fatherhood is. That's, that was a silly image of it. It's, just, it's like a cartoon. That's not what fatherhood is. Um, but it's okay to miss that. It's okay. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's okay to, 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 to look over and say, man, I, I wish I could talk baseball with my son. It's, it's okay to be sad. It's, it's yeah. part of what our, our world is, right? Yeah. I, I, you know, in my book, I use the analogy of uh, expectations being like propaganda films. Um, like, yeah. you know, you're si sitting in a dark room and watching these little movies. And yeah, I mean, for me, the sports thing was huge. For me, it was football. Um, yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I was just sort of saw, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to throw fade roots in the backyard and all these things going to be amazing. And, uh, and you realize what they are. They're cartoons. That's a, that's a great yeah. term there. Right. Um, the problem is, is every once in a while during as especially during the first few years um we would we would do the biomedical stuff or you know pull yeah. out gluten or we're going to do this therapy and he'd have a couple of good days and all of a sudden i started seeing those movies again yeah and then i'm like dude maybe maybe yeah. and then all of a sudden the next regression comes and it's like oh i can't believe yeah. i did it again 
Yeah, you know, you know, a good example of this is I went, I, I brought my son to Disney World. I've done it twice, just me and him. Yes. Right. I was going to ask you um, about this because I loved that last whole bit you did. It was amazing. Oh, uh, dude, it was it was awesome. It was, I mean, but Disney World for us is different than it is for a typical family. Okay, Disney Disney World for us is a first of all, it's it's hardcore. We we keep up a brisk pace, but for my son, all he cares about is he wants to hug the characters and go on Small World a thousand times um, and, 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 and high five and take pictures with the characters. That's all he wants. And only certain characters, not even all of them. Um, so for a typical family outside looking in to what I did for a week with, with Eric at Disney World, they would either think I'm insane or they would be sad for me that the Disney World experience was so limited and such such a narrow focus but the reality was it was a blast because when i took my son to disney world i didn't have this expectation of of, of we got to go on all these rides and we got to get in line and we got to make sure we hit all the all the popular spots and take all the cool pictures i was just following his lead and i was just wherever he wanted to go next and we you know we would just we, we put 12 miles on our on our fitbit um and it was just his 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 vacation and i was just the guy holding the money <laughs> and the and the and the and the phone to take pictures and we had a blast and i actually got to a point and i wrote about this i actually came to a point where i was actually starting to feel sorry for these families arguing and fighting with each <laughs> other on main street usa about what rides you were going going to go on and how come they hadn't got a chance to do this and this and, and just, you know, trying to pose them with these fancy pictures in front of the castle. And I was like, man, I, I just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going along for the ride here. And it's fantastic. It's the best, best trip of my life. Um, and we did nothing and we spent a lot of money. <laughs> and all I did <laughs> is take a thousand pictures of Goofy and Pluto. That's all I did. But, <laughs> but he, he was in his glory and he's, he's still planning his next trip. And, um, I guess when you get to that point as a dad, when you're letting go of all that, it's not stupid. I really shouldn't say, when you let go of all that stuff, all the, the non-important stuff of what you think you're, you're, it should be, and you just kind of enjoy your kid, I, I wish everybody could feel that. I, yeah. I wish everybody could be there as a parent. Um, yeah. And I feel sorry for people who can't get there because you're yeah. so locked into this, vision of what you think growing up is you know um so in that way this is a blessing you know mm -hmm. it's an absolute blessing that that this has been given to me um i know i always fumble how to explain it but i don't know i don't know if you truly can i don't know if you can explain right. that to somebody who's not living in it you know right. um yeah that's cool man that's that's really cool uh can you tell us a little bit about your job and how that has factored into your journey as an autism dad? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, you got deep questions, boy. Uh, my, I'm a police <laughs> officer. I'm a cop. I got, I've been a cop for 25 years. I look like I'm 15, but I've, I've been doing it for a long time. Um, I'm getting close to retire. Uh, when my son was diagnosed, I really didn't know much about autism. Like I said, I, I, I had very limited knowledge, even though I'd been a cop for a number of years before that. 
Um, I'm also a, I'm a canine officer, so I've been involved in a couple searches with with people with special needs. And um, you would think I knew a lot more about it than I actually did. So when when I got forced into having to earn a master's degree in autism, um, before long I started I started comparing the two worlds I was in my police world and my my special needs world. And I realized that, man, our two worlds don't talk very well. We don't communicate well. And, um, you know, social media is what it is. And, and, and one tragic event or one, one, one negative experience that people have with a police officer goes, gets posted on Facebook and it spreads like wildfire. So, you know, as I started writing about it and as I started growing, um, the followers that I did, I, I was exposed to all the, unfortunately, most of them were negative experiences people were having with police. Um, and it really rocked me because I had this vision of police, and I still do, that, you know, we're the heroes, we're the good guys, we're, we're out there to help and save people and protect the world from the forces of evil. And to hear criticism um, about police officers and how they're interacting with their loved ones um, that actually morphed into anger and rage and a lot of times hatred of what of the damage that police were doing to to people with special needs based on ignorance and not understanding it or misunderstanding it um, as something different than different than what it is it really rocked me um, and then I had my own fears you know and I started really doing some soul searching that you know, I, I'm, I'm second in command of my police department. I'm in charge of training. Um, the officers who work for me have to do what I say. And when I'm being honest, I can rattle off a list of 10 to 15 of the cops who work for me that I want nowhere near my son when he's having an emotional uh, episode or, or meltdown or whatever you want to call it, because they just don't have the, they don't have the good people, great cops, but they don't have the, the, the mindset that is necessary to either help him through a, a situation or um, redirect him. And a lot of times they would add fuel to a fire that is already raging, especially if he's having one of his um, anger outbursts. Um, so I got scared and I still am. Um, but rather than live in fear, I, I, I want to make a difference and make it better. So I've really dedicated um, a lot of what I do to to training and 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 putting out the message um, that we have a lot to learn about these about these individuals and not just not just the individuals but the families uh, because when when people started to learn I was a cop I um, they started asking me for advice and and, and expressing and inventing a lot of the the emotions they were having with their individual police departments and it became clear to me. And it's really sad to say that a lot of these families, a lot of our families are, um, they're afraid to call the police when they need help. And they would rather deal with the emotional meltdown with their child in their own home, with their own family members, even if it means them getting hurt, uh, than call the police for help. And they would rather search their neighborhoods on their own um, for hours and hours and hours rather than call the police. And when I started delving into why um, it was really interesting. A, yeah, they're afraid we're going to come and hurt their, their kid. Um, but the bigger reason was they're afraid that the police are going to come and judge them as parents. And um, 
judge them as failures and call division of youth and family services or whatever they call it out there in, in the in the northwest and and take away their child um and that is heartbreaking for me that's a gut punch for me as a cop because i don't want people thinking that about us so a lot of what i do is i express to cops that oh my god these families that that we're supposed to be serving they feel fear of us but i also express to the families that listen we, we're we're humans and we want to help you but we need you to get get in the game too um so a lot of what i do of course the training has to be done but we also have to um we have to build relationships and i think we have to get more more individuals on the spectrum and families in rooms with cops just interacting and just letting them see our kids and our, and, and I keep referring to kids because that's where my mindset is, but seeing these people as they live, you know, in their element and, uh, and getting used to it and getting, breaking down the, 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 the fear of, of seeing somebody flapping their hands and not knowing what it is. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the interview. I want to hit pause real quick to remind you of my book, Aching Joy, Following God Through the Land of Unanswered Prayer. This is a book I wrote, of course, about my own journey with my son as he went into his fog of autism. I went into my own sort of fog as well of sadness and and, and trying to make sense of my life and trying to reorient my life. Uh, but it's not a book strictly for autism parents. Uh, it's really for anyone who's going through that season of saying, what in the world has happened to my expectations? Life is going to look different now. Uh, and particularly those uh, of those people of faith who say, you know, I've prayed and I, I, I've called out to God for something to change and nothing's changing. What do I do now? So I hope you'll check it out. Uh, achingjoy.com. Uh, you can read more about it there. It it, it did win uh, an award last year. It won the Cascade Award for Best Memoir. And my mom tells me it's it's really good. So anyway, check it out. Now back to the interview. After just sharing about your job, um, that has uh, that has sometimes brought a bit of controversy for you. Um, you've gotten some pushback. Can you tell us about that and sort of how you've dealt with that? Uh, the controversy comes from me taking it too personally. I think um, uh, I, I it really it really does, and I I do not have thick skin, so I'm probably in the wrong business. Um, but it really wounds me when um, when I read these negative, you know, um, attacks on the police because I am one, and I and I call these people brothers, and they and I it really is a a, a very tightly uh, knit community, and um, I'm very defensive of them, maybe overly defensive. Of course, sometimes criticism is warranted, but sometimes. A, a lot of times we're, the police are not allowed because of whatever rules and privacy issues, we're not allowed to give our side. We're not allowed to say, you know, what you just heard didn't happen that way, or here's why it happened. And we're trained as police officers to just take it, that we can't say a lot legally because we don't want to ruin some, uh, you know, litigation or, or, or criminal, uh, criminal case. And you know, the, the lawyers are always looking over us, making sure we don't say certain things and, and ruin cases. So we just kind of 
take a lot of the criticism, even though we know it's it's unfounded, and we we even though we know that if you knew the real story or knew the other side of the story, you would have a different opinion. Um, and it's been frustrating for me because uh, I want to scream from the mountaintops that there's other there's other sides to this, right. and um, sometimes we just can't. But what happens when that when that happens is it does damage. And I, this is what I try to tell families. Um, when, when frustration or criticism is, is so strong and so one-sided, even if it's, even it's valid, even if it's merited, what happens is the police community, they cross their arms and say, look, see, here's another example. What do you want from us? Here's another example of another segment of society that doesn't understand us. Um, the only people that understand us are other cops. We're the only people that get each other. And it becomes a very dangerous because it becomes a us and them mentality. That it's us, the police community, against them, which is everyone else. Right. And then what happens is the police stop listening to valid criticism the walls go up. Uh, nothing is 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 discussed in a, in a rational way, and it just becomes echo chambers. Right. The police have their echo chamber. Nobody else understands us. It's us against the world, and the rest of the world has an echo chamber to see the police don't get it. They're not doing the training, you know, and and worse. And for somebody with a foot in both worlds, it's hard. And yeah. um, I've closed my page three times. Just shut it down. Just unpublish the stupid thing because I couldn't deal with that. Um, the worst one was a couple years ago when there was a shooting in Florida, you probably have seen it, where the caretaker was trying to help the, the, uh, the kid with, on the spectrum and the SWAT team came and ended up shooting the caretaker. And uh, man, that, that, that rocked me to the core because I can't defend that. That was unbelievable the way that happened. Um, and I felt helpless. But a crazy thing happened. I was I had I was ready to, to just sh shut down my page, and I got a phone call from um, from Chris Ulmer. Um, yeah, special books for special kids. Yeah, who, who's he, he? What he's doing is unbelievable, and he's got Incredible. this following of yeah. millions of people all over the world, and he's devoted his life to traveling around. And he called me out of the blue because he happened to see that I was a cop, and he wanted to see if there's anything we could do. And I, I really had my finger on a button of unpublishing everything and just walking away um, because I couldn't deal with the, the emotional roller coaster I was dealing with. And he really pulled me back in and he came to my house and met with me. He was, he happened to be in town and I was actually at a Yankee game when, when his text came in and he met me like three hours later and uh, interviewed me <laughs> for his, for his YouTube channel. And when he posted that, and I was very frank about what we needed to do as, as you know, police, and that blew up, and that got like I don't know a million hits or a million views, mm -hmm. and it really sent me on this new path. That yeah, I have a place here, and I can I can I can really make a difference here, and and I can I can do this. Um, I saved my page. <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know that's how this started. That's interesting. Yeah. I had written about these things before these issues, yeah. but nothing on the level of, uh, of what he gave me with one little interview, one YouTube interview that, um, and I mean, you know, I'll never, I'll never be able to thank him for what he did, but what really I, I should be thanking is the, the response it got, man. Yeah. 
you know, I got such a such a flurry of comments of, and responses of, of thank you for telling both sides and 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 yeah. thank you for expressing this. And I'm so glad you're you're out there doing this. And I felt guilty because man, I was ready to close it all up. I was closing up shop, and now I'm getting thank you for doing what I'm doing. And <laughs> I felt like a coward. You know, I felt I felt like man, I, I almost let these people down. And um, that yeah, that is what turned it. Yeah. And that, that and that was not too long ago. That was only a couple yeah. of years ago. Oh, I remember. Uh, I remember when you unpublished and I was going, oh, no. <laughs> and then and uh, and but to see what's come out of that, I, I guess here's I was here's why I was so upset about the whole thing for years, because I'm like, God forbid somebody try to build understanding. And, yeah. And that, and that's that's why I don't understand. This is the thing I hate about social media. It's what I hate about our over political, you know, politicization uh, of everything. Ever like think, you know, everything with the with the coronavirus and the shutdown right now. Like it's yeah. just it's all doing the same thing. Everybody retreats to their little silos and and they start you know uh, flinging arrows at one another. And, and you, I, I felt like what you were trying to do is build understanding. And saying, hold on, just a second. Here's what we need to do. I understand both these sides. Um, so that made me furious. Yeah, but it, it, and, and thank you for that. Um, it really is nothing more than trying to just express both sides' point of view to the other side. Well, I, I, what I love that came out of this was, you know, we've hinted at it here, you sort of combining these two things, but you've actually started doing training with other officers can you tell us tell us what that looks like and what that has looked like well i've been doing the training for a while um locally here and i've actually traveled a little bit doing it and and a lot of it is just basic uh awareness training you know just um what is stimming uh you know just putting it out there this is what it is and um i you know i try to make it more practical what i do there are a lot of good people out there doing this kind of thing this training trying to to, to, to bring this awareness. I, I try to make it more um, practical, like giving tips and, and, and ideas and how to, how to deescalate somebody who's having uh, an emotional crisis. I give a lot of tips and, and, and my experience on how to, um, you know, set up missing person searches. Uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent. Well, I'm not a fan of the term wandering. I don't know if you know that. I don't like it. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, wandering uh, conjures up images of um, uh, zombies walking around, uh, just mindlessly walking until they hit a fence and then bouncing into the fence. And um, wandering means you don't have a purpose. And I've I've found with my own son and my experience with others, um, any anybody on the spectrum that wanders has a purpose. Yes. Um, has a goal. Has a direction has um there's there's a reason yeah. uh they're not wandering aimlessly okay and it's dangerous for cops to have this image of our of our kids and our adults of just being mindless zombies just well, all i have to do in, in this search area that i've been assigned to is just drive up and down the street and look for some kid wandering around no if, if you attack it as uh with, with curiosity and, and try to investigate why that individual quote unquote wandered, um, you have a lot better chance of finding him. And it could be, they could be escaping some kind of sensory discomfort, right? They could be, um, they could be just exploring to have fun. They could be trying to follow through with a plan that, that, that their parents have set out. And they're just a little ahead of the timeline of where mom and dad were. And they're 
they thought they were going to the supermarket at four o'clock, but it's two o'clock and they want to go. So they started walking towards the supermarket. They could be mad at mom and dad. Um, you know, they're fully capable of having these emotions of, of spite and, and anger. Um, but once you start digging into why, well, then you can start creating a, a situation where you can intelligently uh, start a search with better odds of, of, a, of a successful uh, locating. Um, so yeah, I've done that for a long time. And, and now that I'm getting to the end of my police career, I'm doing it full time. And uh, I've started a business with an incredible woman. I can't wait for you to meet her. Her name is Shannon. And she's also an autism mom. And she um, is a, she's, she's won a lot of awards for, for, for creating uh, online training uh, for big companies like Volvo and Mack truck and, uh, and, and some big players. And, um, my first vision when I wanted to do this is I wanted to fly around the country and go to individual police departments, talk about our kids and train. Then I realized that that was going to burn me out very quickly flying around and having time away from my, my family. And, and, uh, it would be tough. And then Shannon contacted contacted me with, a, with this different approach. And my, my vision of, of online training before this was like, it's, it's terrible. It's, it's a PowerPoint with some guy with a voiceover doing a PowerPoint presentation and you download it and then you take a quiz at the end and you're done. And that's all my experience was, but she showed me different things that we could do online with, uh, with training that really has me excited. So what we're doing is we're building scenarios with, with video footage uh, we're, and we're going to place cops and first responders in, it's, it's called gamification. I've, I've, I've become a student of this. We're going to place them in scenarios and force them to make decisions, stressful decisions. Like little Joe, he wandered away from the birthday party. He's 10 years old. He hasn't been seen in 45 minutes. Go, go find him and have them make decisions with a clock, with a stopwatch, knowing that time is critical. Um, and having, having these decisions lead to either a tragic outcome or a positive outcome and have it re, be replayable. So what I found is when I took these prototypes, I wanted to do it again. And I wanted to get better at it. And I wanted to have a better time. And I wanted to have a, you know, a more successful outcome. And um, I, there's been studies on this. When, when somebody is, it actually got my heart level up. It got my, 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 my pulse up you know, trying to do these things. And I started doing these things because I wanted to, not because I had to. And before I know it, I was learning and I didn't know I was learning, right? I was just having fun or I was just trying to challenge myself. Um, so we have all these scenarios, you know, dreamed up. I have them all mapped out. It's not just wandering. It's going to be emotional responses to, to um, you know, uh, to disputes and, and misunderstandings of a, of a kid in a park who, that the, the caller thinks he's on drugs and, and how does the cop handle it? And go ahead and let's see how you respond. And um, the results are, are, you can track the results and, and it's, it's real data and I'm excited about it. And it, it will let me get to a lot more people than I could have otherwise. Yeah. And um, it could supplement a lot of the other good training that's, that's, that's going on out there as another step to test the level of knowledge that's, that's, that's out there. And I'm excited for it. And I have a great partner and yeah, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my uh, rest of my life. This is what I want to want to do. So, 
That's amazing, man. That's brilliant too. I, you know, my son is, is 14 now. And in the past three months, he's, he's shot up and he's almost as tall as I am. And so we're doing all this, seeing all this puberty stuff and all this. Oh, yeah. and, and this is a thing that starts going through your head of like, okay, what if he got out? He certainly has run before we, you know, when we didn't know and, you know, a friend caught him or whatever. And it, you know, it is a thing in your mind of like, what if the police were there and misunderstood? What if they tried to stop him and he started yelling or running the other direction and they didn't understand what was going on? Um, that's so that's what jars me awake. Yeah, that's what jars me awake at night, that he's going to be misunderstood. And, and the behaviors that your kid does when he's four and five years old that are cute, when he throws a temper tantrum, yeah. when he becomes 16 and approaching 200 pounds and he can overpower your wife, um, those behaviors aren't cute anymore. Yeah. And um, that's where tragedy happens. And it's not just, I mean, yeah, of course, so it's, 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 it's important that they understand the violent part of it, but also other things that you don't really think about, like, um, you know, sexual assault. My son yeah. doesn't really have a concept of what's right and wrong about touching women. Of course you want yeah. you teach them, you do your job, but um, a very good friend of mine has this, this example. He's, he, he's, he's, he says with his, with his child is now in his mid twenties, but his kid growing up just loved, it was his thing. He just loved to smell women's perfume. He loved different smells and he loved to, to get up close to women and, and smell their perfume when he was four and five, he'd climb in their lap and, and smell their neck. Um, and it was cute and it was endearing and it was really a, a cool thing he was doing until he turned 19 and 20 and he still had that urge to smell women's perfume. So he had to, my, my friend had to really get on top of that and, 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 and create lessons to, 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 to tell his son, listen, we, we can't do this because it'll be misinterpreted and be misunderstood. Yeah. Um, and uh, that kind of misunderstanding can send us down a track that forget the getting hurt part could put him in a legal situation um but my friend the funny part about that is my friend his son has learned a, a little workaround he'll, he'll do a drive-by like he'll he'll somebody will be, he'll be sitting at a party you know, you'll, you'll see him just kind of do a drive-by sniff um you know yeah it's really cute uh but yeah those are things those are the things i worry about because i see i see it in my head how this can go so badly so quickly on so many different levels if there's not some some major progress made in how we how we communicate with our law enforcement yeah and nobody's off the hook there we all have we all have a role we all have a responsibility it's my job to to teach my son these things and and do what has to be done and keep him out of those situations and it's law enforcement's job to understand that there's sometimes i'm gonna fail you know i'm gonna i'm at level 10 all the time man we're always alert and sometimes my best isn't good enough and sometimes i'm gonna fail i've lost my son five times my life lost him i'm a cop i teach this stuff right and i've lost my son five times um i fail um and when i always preach to the cops will listen to me is if you were to judge me based on those five failures you could make a good case that i'm unfit as a dad and i really couldn't argue with you in that moment i was unfit i screwed up um one of the big lessons i teach them is is just give us the benefit of the doubt please as parents understand that we're doing the best we can, that we're stressed, understand that we have locks on our doors to keep our kids in the house, not to keep bad guys out, mm -hmm. you know, um, a little bit of empathy 
and, uh, and give us the benefit of the doubt until it's time that you don't, until it's time when, when it becomes clear that, that you know, we are unfit. Um, and, and they're out there too. There are, there are parents who shouldn't be. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the hard part. I don't talk like this. You understand that, right? It must be you. It's me. It's... I don't talk like this. You just have this warm thing you, 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 <laughs> you put out there into the universe. So, Jerry, you started in a dark place, um, but you worked through that, and you're not in a dark place anymore, and you're, a place, you're in a place where you can delight in Eric and who he is, in your wife and your daughter. You guys can have this beautiful thing. What gives you joy um, about your son and about your life? What, what, what is it that can pull you out uh, in those times when you can start feeling it again, when you can start feeling that sadness? What is it that brings you joy? You know, it's, it's, it's learning to appreciate the, the simplicity of his world. And it's not that he's, he's not a simple individual, but he, he, if we could all just learn to, to take joy from blowing up a balloon and watching it pop, right? Take joy from, from, from staring at, at a stream and watching the movement of, of the water. Um, you know, to pick up, when was the last time you picked up one of those dandelion wish blossoms and blew it, right? My son did that this morning on our walk. And he got the pleasure, the same pleasure from that, that I would need like a, uh, a multi-hundred dollar trip to, to Broadway. Putting myself uh, in, that, in that place of awe, of just taking pleasure from, from the simplest things and not needing so much, not needing so much technology and uh, stuff. Um, that's where I become grounded. And that's where I become back to, wow, man, this is going to be okay. And, you know, I, I, I stopped... I don't know what's gonna. I don't know what the what what my future holds with my son. I, I don't know. My my dream and vision of retiring to, you know, the Pacific Northwest with my wife after my kids move out of the house. I don't I don't know if that's gonna happen. But I'm okay with it. My vision of retirement may turn into retiring to the Pacific Northwest with my wife and my son, right? And that's okay. I said I, I look at it as I'm buying a third ticket. Well, I'll travel the world. I thought about when I was growing up, when I was 19, 20, I wanted to get married and travel the world with my wife. Well, maybe I'll travel the world with my wife and my adult son. Is that really so bad, right? Is, is, is that really, is, is, if that's as bad as it gets in terms of hardship for me, I think I'm, I've, I've done okay. So I've just boiled it all down to simplicity. And I do a lot of living in the moment, right? Not worry so much about, about the future. But man, it took a long time to get there. Thank you, Jerry. That is fantastic stuff. If you want to follow Jerry, of course, his blog is baconandjuiceboxes.com. He also has a very active Facebook page of the same name. And his new venture is uh, bluebridgetraining.com. So please jump in there. Follow Jerry. He's wonderful. He also has a book that he's working on, a novel that sort of combines his experience as a canine officer 
and as an autism dad. And I got a sneak peek of it, and it's being edited right now. It doesn't have a name for it yet, but it's going to be wonderful. So keep your eyes open for that. Thank you so much, Jerry, for being on the show. And thank you, oh listener, for joining uh, and listening today at the Aching Joy podcast. If this is something that you enjoyed, man, I would love it if you guys would, would leave a review on iTunes or share it on social media. That'd be amazing. I'm hoping to, to get the word out more uh, on the Aching Joy podcast. So thanks so much for listening. I'm Jason Haig. You can find me at Jason Haig Writer on Facebook or at jasonhaig.com. Thanks so much for joining us today.